This is CounselCast, part of the Legal Talk Network, and I'm your host, Karen Conroy. When you face a complex case outside your expertise, you bring in a co-counsel for next-level results. When you want to engage, expand, and elevate your firm, you bring in a marketing co-counsel. In this podcast, I bring in marketing experts who each answer one big question to help your firm achieve more. Here's today's guest. Hi, everyone. My name is Hannah Smolinski, and I am a CPA and the owner of Clara CFO Group. We're a fractional CFO agency, and we help small business owners figure out how to optimize their finances and make more profit and ultimately achieve their goals in their businesses. Hannah, thank you so much for being here. I'm excited about this conversation because I know when I speak to my clients from the kind of MBA side of things and talking about building their businesses, the finances and the numbers and this piece of it is where a lot of them get really overwhelmed and don't know where to start. So I know you talk to people about this all day long, and so this is going to be this is going to be insightful and helpful. And so thank you for your time today, and thank you for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited. And yeah, it's it's really normal for small business owners. They start a business doing the thing that they're really good at. And often that is not finances. <laughs> so, you know, it's it's very, very normal. And I like to start there just saying like, you know, if, if you're uncomfortable with it, there's totally a reason for that. It might not be your wheelhouse, but it's actually accounting and numbers. Really, we're talking about third grade math. It doesn't need to be intimidating. We do addition, subtraction, you know, multiplication and division, and everybody is able to, you know, learn this to a degree as much as they want to. And really, you know, we like focusing on really the numbers that matter and not trying to get into the nitty gritty. You can hire out a lot of the nitty gritty, but it's really just about like thinking as a business owner, what do you really need to know? And I think we're going to talk a little bit of that <laughs> about that today. And I feel like that's such a just general topic in in most of these areas. So marketing, same thing. You can get so distracted with all these different kind of new and fancy, you know, tactics like what is everyone doing on TikTok and whatever. And sometimes that works. I know um, you've got a great YouTube following. I know you're on TikTok. And so when you're doing this kind of content, that works great. But it's definitely not for everyone. Same for every kind of financial tactic, same for even legal tactics. So even the lawyers, as they're bringing clients in, their clients have a similar kind of reaction. Like, I've never worked with a lawyer before. I'm kind of freaked out. So this is a long-winded way of saying that the title of the show (laughs) is How to Do Profit-Driven Marketing. So we are going to talk about what, um, looking at your profits first, figuring out what's profitable, and then tying that to your marketing so that you know that the things that you're doing are not just working and not just getting some kind of like vanity metric, but actually driving your profits, which is a different way of, of looking at it. So let's start first with what you were mentioning earlier. Like what, how do you figure out what are the really useful things to pay attention to numbers wise? Yeah. So I think it's important to first kind of maybe, let's say if we're going to talk about financials and we're going to try to back into what do we need to be doing, we need to think about what numbers do we need to be paying attention to on the financials. And I would point people to our profit and loss statement without getting too accounting ease. I'm going to give you like really, you know, high level revenue is for is a vanity number. 
because revenue is the top line. That's all the money that you're bringing in, but it takes into account nothing else of all of what you're spending. So yeah, you could be a you know $10 million legal, legal firm, but if you're spending $11 million to make $10 million, you're actually in the hole a million dollars. So is it successful, question mark? I mean, you know, can we call that a successful firm? I don't think that we can. I don't think the partners would be too happy on splitting a million dollar loss over and over and over again every year. So, um, you know, what you want to think is you want to think about the profit. And that's really, it. you know, all the money coming in minus all the expenses you have in to run the business what is left over at the end of the day. And if you have partners, you know, you're splitting that between, you know, the owners and whatnot. But, and then you also need to think about like, what does that profit need to do for you? Like profit actually has to, you know, go to your savings. That's that's what will help build up a savings in the business. It will go to pay taxes because you need to be able to pay taxes on profit that you make. It needs to be able to be distributed to owners. And then it also needs to be able to be reinvested in a number of different ways. So your profit always has a lot of work to do for your business. So you want to drive as high a profitability as possible because when you have high profitability, you have a lot of flexibility because then you can decide where you wanna go with things. So if you're looking at your P&L and your profit is not great, <laughs> then the first thing is start to think like, how do we, and that's like what we do as a CFO agency, we're kind of helping people find the levers to pull to increase profitability. But what we find more often than not is it's really a sales problem and sales like at the top line, usually, I mean, yes, there's always gonna be high expenses places, but sometimes what we find is that you know, maybe the opposite or the organization is actually running really efficiently, but what's happening is the sales are not coming in at the frequency. And when I say sales, that you know, maybe billable hours, how many clients you actually have, how like what are you doing, you know, what projects are you working on currently, and then that becomes a sales and marketing problem. And so, where we start to have conversations with clients, it starts to happen really, we're, we're looking six months previous to now what were you doing that is producing this revenue because a lot of times it's not like you just turn on a faucet and sales start coming in or clients start knocking on your door usually we have to nurture that for a really long time in order to start driving the revenue line and driving that up so I will, I will stop there without, you know, I know we've got more to talk to there, but that's kind of like, we, we work from the bottom up. So we look at profit and then we realize like where the, you know, if, if profit's not high enough, where is the problem? A lot of times it's sales. And now we say, well, now what? Like, how do we, how do we drive more sales? And that's the marketing question. Okay, so that's super helpful. And it just, it does seem pretty straightforward when you when you lay it out like that. Like that third grade math you were mentioning before where it's like, okay, you you can't just look at the the, the total revenue number. You can't just look at how, how many potential clients you had coming in or how many people your salespeople talk to. It has to come down to profit. And so then how do you tie that back to marketing and how do you know which marketing activities are actually profitable? Yeah, this goes into actually taking time to look into your numbers. And I, you know, I do this, I actually just did this with a client earlier. We pulled up their client list 
And then we went through and said, like, where did this person come from? Where did this person come from? Where did this person come from? And a lot of times we have enough of a close relationship with that client or maybe like somebody on your team has a close enough relationship with that client that they would know where that person came from or maybe there's an intake form. People miss that opportunity if there's an intake form to ask, how did you hear about us? And I mean, that's a really great way to capture what marketing piece of your stack was working. Was it a Google ad? Was it a TikTok video? Was it a, you know, a referral network that you were a part of? Like, what was that thing? And then when you start to see patterns and you say, wow, like 50% of our revenue might be coming from Google ads. That's where people are coming, you know, coming from. Maybe it's time to double down into Google ads. Or if it's one referral network that is generating 90% of your business, that's great, but you might want to also like maybe diversify a little bit more too and try to figure out, you know, double down into that, but also think about is there another marketing channel that could be added that might also produce results. So it's first about looking what has worked in the past and how do we do that again? And how, or how do we put some fuel on the fire to amp it up? And if we want, if growth is a target, which I think I think a lot of us growth yeah. is a target. For the most part, yeah. And I mean, we will have occasionally a firm that wants a different kind of growth. Like they're really looking for reputation and kind of getting their name out there. But the majority of the firms we work with, it's money and it's money growth. So, you know, and I say we'll talk to firms all the time where I'm like, okay, where are your clients coming from? A lot of them talk about how they think think all of their clients are coming from referrals. But then when we dig into it, they're really just not tracking it. So they're just guessing it. And and when they have the conversations, the only ones that come up is Bob Smith sent me your way. And then they don't manage, they don't bother to ask in other situation. So, you know, if 20% of the time Bob Smith's name comes up, but then the other 80% of the time they're just forgetting to ask, it's not part of their intake form, they're really leaving so much super important data on the table. So I really think it's critical to know in some way, have part of your intake form or your intake process, whoever it is, you need to know. You have to ask that question. And it's not an awkward question. It's just like, who can I thank? Where, you know, where did you, how, how did you come, come, you know, into our office? And it's just as simple as asking for somebody's phone number. I mean, it's, you know, and some people won't answer and that's fine. But like you said, once you start seeing those patterns and you start to say, oh my gosh, I got four calls this week that were all coming from this one place then, you know, you start to know in, in your gut. And you don't even have to have like complicated tracking software for this. You just kind of see it in your emails. <laughs> it's like, okay. Yeah. And it's something to do periodically. Like maybe for a season, your referrals were coming in from some one source. And then the next season, it might be coming in from a different source, especially if you're trying different marketing tactics. It's really good to keep an eye on really, well, what what is working right now? And over time, that could shift and change. And then also take the opportunity to thank that tank thank Bob Smith for sending you a client. Take him out to lunch like or something, you know, so that you you stay start top of mind with those individuals that you're nurturing that relationship and you know things like I mean, I'm a CPA and then, you know, attorneys and CPAs 
a lot of our business ends up being around relationships and people, you know, knowing us, liking us, trusting us. And that might be either directly our clients or other professionals who know, like, and trust us. So if we can, you know, continue to nurture those relationships, it's well worth your time. Okay, so how do you do the math to figure out how much you should be spending based on, like if you're looking at your profit and you're saying, okay, I'm trying to drive more marketing and I see that there's this one channel that is, you know, I've got maybe three or four channels that are working, but one is more expensive. And how do you do the math to figure out, first of all, like the value of each, you know, how, how much you should be spending for all of those leads and, and which a- avenues you you should be spending and and basically how much you should be spending to drive that profit? It's a good question. And I think it's going to vary. And I I, I hate to say it depends, but it does depend. (laughs) Um, I know that's never the answer that anybody wants to hear. I think some things that can be helpful in determining what your what your number would be and how much you're willing to spend is to look at your client load. And, and like, this is, this is something that like, you know, sit down, grab, grab your reports that come in from your different systems on who you've actually served, grab a glass of wine and just start to really think about, you know, these customers as people and, and who they are. And also look like, how long have they been with you? Uh, You know, what's the lifetime value of a client? What type of work are you doing? Like if it's a divorce attorney, that's going to be different than the, maybe a, business attorney that you're on retainer with a a client and they need you you know year in and year out that's a really different thing so if it's a one-time divorce or if it's you know that retainer piece that is years and years and years look and see how long your clients stay on your roster because I think that's going to be and then we call that lifetime value so this would be like a KPI that we would potentially track is what's the lifetime value of a client every time somebody comes in maybe that average is forty thousand dollars or maybe it's five hundred thousand dollars you know that could be like a really big difference so you can direct your marketing dollars to be a little bit more focused on, you know, what is the value of that one client that comes in when it's a really ideal client. So those $500,000 ones, you're going to probably be willing to allocate a lot more money towards that. I can tell you a quick story about a client who's not in the legal field, but they're in a consulting business and they have one very, very, very big client, millions and millions of dollars every, every year. And they are willing to go and do things like fly to, you know, California and do rock climbing or something because that's where the relationships are built. So they're spending their marketing dollars on those direct relationships and other marketing dollars are actually spent towards recruiting and hiring because that is their other big problem. But their actual customer relationships are spent on, you know, travel and doing things to get in front of these people. And so like you you need to think about like where the lifetime value is and then allocate towards that. So that's interesting because I think there's expenses there that people wouldn't necessarily look at and think of marketing expenses. So while you were talking about that, I was thinking, okay, so we have, you know, most firms or companies or agencies or whatever, you have your bucket of current and past clients and that you should be marketing to and nurturing in one way as opposed to your potential clients who is a totally different method and strategy for marketing. And when we sit down to talk about all of this, people almost always only focus on those 
those new clients and the ads and the Google ads and going out and getting those new clients when that is the biggest hurdle to overcome as opposed to just trying to nurture your current client relationships. So how do you, do you look at the, the expenses and costs in a different way for those existing and past clients for marketing? Because it, it wouldn't be like ads and things like that. It would be a different kind of expense, right? Yeah, we try to separate those out typically on a P&L. So you would have something that would be more like business development or like, I mean, you could even like call it like customer relations or something on your P&L where you separate out. Like maybe you like to throw, you know, a once a year party or maybe you do Christmas cards every year or maybe you do, you know, some type of gift that you like to do. That's because, you know, keeping those relationships is a big part of, you know, your overall success, maybe if you've if you've determined that your your business is going to do better when you nurture those relationships, you know, making sure you actually allocate that for your budget and that you do have that as part of your planning is really important. And then there's the net new that that we like to talk about, like net new clients. And that's where we get into like maybe more of the digital marketing marketing or we're reaching out to new people there's an awareness that we need to create about our firm and that's where we have these other opportunities like the YouTubes and the TikToks and the which are you know I know that scares a lot of people or maybe like going into video but but it's actually a very effective method and then you know what is meeting new people getting into new organizations or maybe even like giving talks places or you know nurturing like an email list that you might be developing giving away some things that can be helpful to be able to grow an email list I mean there's lots of things that you can do you know even just having a presence on social media you're, you're gonna be like light years ahead if you have presence on social media that somebody could potentially look you up than like a stodgy old firm that doesn't know about the internet <laughs> <laughs> which it's scary how how common that is and it's oftentimes it's not that they aren't aware of it that it's that they've either been burned by a lot of marketing agencies or they're just worried about the risks involved and so they just kind of sit with their head in the sand and decide okay we'll just avoid it so so then in terms of like looking at all of those different kinds of marketing and then pulling them back to profit, it, it seems like it's much easier to look at all the things you're describing, like the YouTube channel and the social media and say, okay, we spent X on social media, we got this much traffic driven to the YouTube channel, and then we got this many new leads that led to then this many. So it seems like that is easier to track than the kind of marketing that you would be doing with the new new slash past clients is that right or is that is it just sort of a more uh defined differently how does that work well i mean like if we have the benefit of google analytics and youtube analytics and you know we have reports coming from our email systems and we have facebook you know the back end of facebook that will show us you know how many people clicked on an ad and things like that the data is much more reportable in those systems so you know you could say in one way it's really it's easy to track that kind of stuff i think you have to be intentional to track the other things you know you might want to say you know you make sure that you have some way to capture that information and sometimes that's just a little bit of work on the front end to say every intake form we put a thing how did you hear about us so we can thank them you know or or it's like make sure if you're actually having a one-on-one -on -one as your first consult like that's one of your first questions and that gets documented and that gets reported somewhere so that 
it, it becomes internally something that of, of importance. And, and that has to be kind of organization-wide that you decide this is an important thing for us. And so everybody needs to know that we need to know this. And that's where like, it's different from just having a metric versus making it a KPI. Like a, a key performance indicator means that everyone rallies around it, that it is important enough for the organization that we are saying we, we care. And, and everybody from the, you know, the person answering the phones up to a senior partner, you know, everybody cares about a KPI. And, and I think those are the things that you can measure it if you make it intentional. So then I'm, I'm imagining the firm that you were describing where they, you know, part of their marketing and however they're going to report it, you know, I'm sure everybody does it differently, but was traveling to kind of, you know, really nurture the relationship of that business. How would you then know if that company is spending millions of dollars with them each year, how would you know if that traveling and that expenditure was directly tied to an increase in profit? Very good question. That is definitely hard to track. I think what we we trust the business owner in that situation to say like, is this worthwhile to continue doing these things? And what, what you know, I mean, and relationships are hard because you want them to be genuine. And when relationships are genuine, things flow more naturally out of genuine relationship than just, you know, well, I didn't get that extra million dollars. So now I'm not going to go and take that client on a, you know, whatever. So there, there is definitely a certain amount of like, you, you can't necessarily know if they were flirting with another company. And then because you took them rock climbing, or you went rock climbing with them, they decided to go with you, right? Like we, we can't say that. So then what you would do in that situation is you would allot a certain amount of money that you feel is reasonable to do activities where and and this is where you would get into budgeting for the year and you would say okay like you know given the fact that this client gives us 10 million dollars a year and we want to continue to nurture that relationship and maybe it will grow maybe it won't we feel it's reasonable to let's say spend one percent of that budget on marketing activities now one percent i'm just throwing that out i don't have a key number that i would give you i i i mean 1% 1% of $10 million is a lot of money. I don't think he needs to spend that much. So, you know, in order to maintain those relationships. So I think you just need to determine like what works within the budget of what that client relationship looks like for you. And then would you necessarily point that towards a goal for increased profitability or just sustained and say, okay, over time, we don't know if it did anything, but that client account hasn't grown and so maybe we won't um, do that. Or maybe that's that's okay. Maybe we are just trying to maintain with that client. Or, or how would you kind of evaluate that after the fact? I think we would just evaluate based on like what the business owner ends up, like what they think the opportunity is. And if they feel like their relationship is solid with what they've done, or if they feel like it's definitely needed. So there's, there's a conversation. And this is like, I mean, we're in, we're in strategic finance. So like, it, it's all about spending the money in the most efficient way to achieve the business's goals. So we put everything on the table as like, do we need a plan for that next year or do we not need a plan for that next year? So we have those conversations and they end up being more, I'd say qualitative than quantitative in some ways. And, and, and then at the end of the day, it's a question of, can we afford it? Do we need to cut it 
or can we afford like keeping it? And if we cut it, could it drop us $2 million of revenue? I mean, we don't know that exactly, but we also know that like within the budget, it's all reasonable. So if, if he wants to continue, we'll give him, you know, maybe it's $50,000 in the year to go and do things. And if he doesn't use it, great, <laughs> right? <laughs> go and use that in another in, in another marketing direction. Yeah. But if it sustains a $10 million client, then you know it was clearly worth it. But I mean, typically law firms are looking at much smaller numbers. <laughs> um, and they're looking, especially when it comes to like the marketing budget. And so I think you can kind of extrapolate that out though. Like if you're spending, you know, eight, $10,000 a month on SEO, can you put a direct line into an increase in traffic and clients and all of that? And maybe your goal is just to sustain. Maybe that's the right number of traffic and clients. Can you afford it? And is what's the goal there? Is it to sustain? Is it growth? You know, what is the goal there? So then you make your kind of decisions based on that as, as well. But I think the The main thing I'm hearing is that a lot of people will talk, especially about SEO, in terms of like, what is everybody else doing? What is my competitor doing? And they're making decisions based on that instead of what you're describing in talking about like, okay, what is actually working and driving profit for us? And let's look at our numbers and what's working for us instead of, you know, like put some horse blinders on about your competition because it really doesn't have anything to do with you. (laughs) You Well, and then you're going to be spending a lot more money. I mean, if, if you're trying to do exactly what they're doing, you're going direct, direct, I mean, you know, head to head competition, especially if you're like competing in like Google ad space or something like that. I mean, um, you know, I, I have a client who has like a local based business and she was starting to spend a lot of money on ads, but these big national companies were coming in with huge ad spend that were, and this was in like a virtual space. So she was a mental health professional and like, you know, the, the better helps of the world were coming in with all of their ad dollars and they were everywhere. And so it started to become like, well, we almost can't compete. Even if we increase our Google ads to way more than we can actually afford, that's actually not a competitive place for us anymore so then it was a shifting of strategy of like how do we be how do we be the local person and how do we show up in our communities because that is more that's where we need to be and that's where we need to be spending our marketing dollars because increasing ad spend was not going to do it for them to where like they couldn't bring in enough clients to cover the cost of the ad spend it's just a race to the bottom at that point yeah yeah at that point so absolutely so i like the idea of being creative and thinking about like what what's working in your market for your customers and then like listening to them and hearing you know where they found you and reacting off of that yeah it's always the better way and you know looking at your competitors and making basing your decisions off of that is always just it's always a losing uh battle So let's, it is time for the book review. So let's, I know you have a great one to tie in to everything we've been talking about. So tell us what the book is that you're going to recommend that everyone should pay attention to. So yeah, the book is Simple Numbers, Straight Talk, Big Profits. It's by Greg Crabtree. And I did an interview with him on my YouTube channel. Super nice guy. Yeah. And he, one of the, so a couple concepts I think are really important for lawyers. Um, One is called a labor efficiency ratio. And that's where we say like, for the labor that we're spending, 
we should be producing a certain amount of gross profit. So, and mainly that's going to be revenue for a lot of a lot of lawyers. So, that helps us gauge, you know, how efficient is the organization with I mean because we're service-based businesses, right? Like, uh, you know, that's our biggest expense is our labor cost. So, is the amount of labor we're actually spending like producing what we need? And then the second thing they they give some profitability targets in that book as well. So yeah, so they kind of say like a 10% profit is the new break even. And (laughs) like, so, you know, if you're, if, and, and they say that because like, you can't be operating at basically zero or less and, and being in a loss over time. You have to have a little bit of slush. You have to have a little bit of savings. You have to have a little bit of excess to move, basically. And so I, I there's a really, really just a lot of very practical tips in the book. So that's a long-winded review, but like definitely grab the book. I read a ton of business books every year. And so I feel like within, usually I give a book 30 pages. And if within 30 pages, I'm not really, you know, hooked in, I just, you know, move on to the next thing. And especially for business books, as opposed to like a fiction book, if I'm not getting good stuff that I feel like I want to get out some paper and write down notes um, and have good takeaways like that, I'm going to move on because I feel like it's very easy to kind of say the same things that everybody else is saying in a, in a business book and kind of regurgitate like, oh, let's all, you know, talk about whatever the trendy topic is of the day. Um, so I love a good book, like you were saying, that has all these very practical tips and things that you can take away. We will definitely link to your YouTube episode with the interview that you said for this book, because that sounds amazing where people can kind of get a little more info uh, in there. So Hannah, what's one thing that you know that works listening i think listening to what clients also listening to like if you're a content creator and if you have a content strategy as part of your marketing listening to the questions that are being asked by your audience so that's actually one of the ways that i grew my youtube channel was hearing what do people need help with creating content from there and then you know going going from there and then listening to their questions what questions did they have after a video make another video on that what's you know what's from that so having if you're if and then this is my theory is that if one person has a question there's probably a thousand other people that had the same question they just weren't the ones who actually took the time to type it in or or take the time to actually call up and ask you so like with with lawyers i imagine they get the same question all the time (laughs) so so like what can you do to where like you become a go-to person because you're in a professional services like you need to be an expert so if you start to be seen as an expert because you are giving answers to very important questions then you know you're building that trust factor so listening is number one for me So when you think in terms of those questions that people are asking, you mentioned like the comments that people leave on your YouTube videos, but do you also do some research on like if you're going to have a topic or have a video on a certain topic, do you go out and find questions just by Googling that as well? Or is it mostly questions people are actually asking you? Every now and then I'll have like an idea and I'll want to round it out with some more research. Or if people are asking, sometimes I don't know. So I'll just be like, hey, that's pretty important. I think I should know that. And I'll go and figure it out and do the research. Um, But I do try to lead with really what are people asking of me. And then sometimes I have ideas for like I want to do a 10-part series on like QuickBooks Basics or something like that. You should be asking this. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, or, or, or what I'm observing that people need help with, that maybe they aren't asking it, I know they need it, but if they are asking the question, it's more likely that you're gonna get more traction on that content. Sometimes as service providers, we know people need to know stuff, but they don't know that they need to know stuff. <laughs> so we can put it out into the world, but they, they're not Googling it because they don't know. Well, and sometimes it's the most basic thing because I meant to mention this earlier, but I noticed like your most, your most popular and traffic uh, TikTok video is about explaining a P&L. And so I think a lot of people assume that people know these basic, basic things. And it's like, no, no, no. A lot of people didn't go to business school. A lot of people really, I, I'll never forget when I was in corporate marketing, I worked for Century 21 for years and I first got that job. And my history up to that point was I was a designer. So I had no you know, idea what I was doing really. <laughs> and my um, CEO starts asking me about a P&L and I had to Google it. I'm like, what is a P&L? <laughs> and, and is it, P and L or P N? What what is this? <laughs> and so, as evidenced by your TikTok, you know, success on that video, it's almost hard to get too basic. Mm -hmm. Well, and then you're not giving away the goods. I think people, service providers, are sometimes really worried about like, well, they won't hire me if I talk about it too much. And I I try to like say. That's not true. I have lots of clients who've even found me on YouTube and, and it, it does become a lead, a lead generator for us. But, you know, there are tons of people who like, I mean, you can give away a lot of information before you're giving away the goods and people will more likely be able to pay you right away because they know you know so much that you're giving it away for free that of course they're going to pay for your time. Because if you're doing all of that for free, you're going to be really valuable if they're actually paying you, you know, your billable hourly rate. Yes. Oh, I think that is a perfect place to uh, stop. So Hannah Smolinski is a CPA and founder of Clara CFO Group. And we will link to all of your websites as well as that awesome episode that you mentioned and your YouTube channel, which I know is super successful, has all those great questions and answers on the show notes. But thank you so much for your time and for being here. That was really helpful. Thank you, Karin, for having me. It's been super fun. Thank you for listening to this episode of the CouncilCast podcast. Be sure to visit our website at council-cast.com for the resources mentioned on the episode and to give us your feedback. If you enjoyed this episode, I would appreciate if you could rate and review the podcast on Apple and subscribe to your favorite podcast platform. See you on the next one.